Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Thursday, April 25th, 2019. That means two things. Uh, one, tonight is the first round of the NFL Draft. And two, much more importantly, uh, starting at usually around like 7 o'clock or so, depending on you know where you live and things like that, uh, you can officially go see Avengers Endgame tonight in theaters. If you do, don't spoil it. Don't be that person. If anyone of you tweets, like if you guys go see that movie and tweet at me some type of spoiler, even if it's a fake spoiler, I will hunt you down, I will find you, and I will just be so mad at you that I'll yell and give you the finger and then leave because I'm a non-confrontational person. Um, (laughs) I am your host, Will Hunter. I don't remember if I said that uh, 30 seconds ago, so I'm just going to say it again. Thanks for uh, joining me on today's Locked on Spartans. Had a little bit of a light show Tuesday, uh, no show Wednesday, so a little bit thin on the content in the early part of the week, but we're going to pick it up a little bit uh, here towards the end of the week. So thanks so much for bearing with those uh, couple of days there. Hopefully uh, today's show and tomorrow's show are a little bit better, um, you know. Actually, who am I kidding? All these shows are just, they're literally, every show I put out is the best podcast uh, that's ever been produced in just sequential order. So today's show, the one you're listening to right now, will be the greatest podcast you've ever heard. And then tomorrow's will be the greatest podcast you've ever heard. And we're just going to keep going on down the line because that's how we do it here on Locked on Spartans. Reminder, you can get this show every day, Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Friday, five times a week in the major seasons during fall uh, late summer, fall, winter, uh, up until Michigan State exits the uh, NCAA tournament, whenever that is, uh, five times a week then, four times a week during the summer months when things tend to get lighter. Uh, as a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. That's our slogan, your team every day. I think you hear that in the, uh, it's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. That's my impression of the the voice thing that goes at the beginning of the show. I hope... My bosses aren't listening to this right now because I am on one. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever said the phrase, I am on one. Um, If you haven't, head on over to iTunes, rate, review uh, the podcast, give it a five-star rating, please. Um, Or if you want to, give it like a one-star rating with a really funny, odd review. Uh, I don't mind that as much as some people might, uh, just as long as like your, your review has to be funny. If you give me a one-star rating with no review, I'm going to be mad. If you give me a one-star rating with some crap review that's not that funny, I'm going to be mad. So if you don't think you can bring it uh, with a funny one-star review, like if you just don't have the passion in your heart to really hate me in the show that much to leave a good, funny review, just go with five stars. And really... Just go with five stars anyway. It's just, it's better, you know, more stars, helps the rating, helps everyone. Uh, so yeah, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can find the Locked on Spartans podcast hosted by me, Will Hunter. Second time, maybe third time I'm saying my name for some reason, uh, but you can find it wherever you get podcasts. On today's show, first segment here, we've got a little bit of basketball news uh, that I want to talk about. Uh, nothing major, you know, Michigan State finishes up its recruiting class, and we've got a little bit of news on the transfer front as well. Uh, nothing too major, but it is certainly worth talking about, so we'll do that here in the first segment. Segments two and three will jump into the NFL draft in Michigan State's uh, outlook there. Uh, I am doing it today despite the fact that odds are we're not going to see a Michigan State play, player taken tonight. 
Uh, there is an outside chance, and we'll talk about that. But I, I do just want to kind of get the draft stuff all out there in one uh, episode. So segments two and three, we'll talk about Michigan State's draft eligible players that are uh, either guaranteed or very likely or somewhat likely to hear their names called uh, tonight in the NFL dra- or tonight, uh, either tonight, tomorrow, or Saturday during day three of the NFL draft. So we'll do that uh, after this first. Uh, basketball news segment. So let's jump right into that. Okay, so Michigan State's freshman class is officially uh, complete for now. And I say for now because technically there's still a scholarship open and we'll see what happens. But again, I highly, highly doubt uh, that additional scholarship is filled by an incoming recruit. I think it's much more likely uh, that it is filled by a grad transfer and potentially a sit-out transfer or two. But the uh, the three-man class is complete uh, with Julius Marble out of Dallas Jesuit uh, signing. He signed his national letter of intent on Wednesday. Uh, Marble's a three-star player, was added late in the process. Um, admittedly, after Michigan State swung and missed on a couple of uh, bigs that were very high up, uh, in the rankings, right, you know, top three guys, Isaiah Stewart, uh, Vernon Carey, guys like that, uh, Keon Brooks, um, actually, no, not Keon Brooks, doesn't matter, uh, Michigan State, uh, you know, after that, uh, ended up signing, uh, or getting a commitment, they offered Julius Marble, uh, and got a commitment out of him, and he was the last of the three to send in his national letter of intent, joining Malik Hall, uh, out of Kansas, Sunrise Christian Academy, uh, you know, small forward, wing type, big, small forward, four-star Malik Hall, same school as Tum Tum uh, went to, and then uh, combo guard, four-star, another four-star, Rocket Watts, um, who is from Detroit but played uh, at Spire Academy in, in Ohio, uh, signed right when the uh, late signing period opened up for basketball. So uh, with Marble, uh, I just want to uh, go over a, a couple of things here because it's not really that interesting. Coaches all do this. Uh, but just real quick, um, Tom Izzo's comments. Um, uh, he says, 6'8 Ford, who we fell in love with as we watched him in the later part of the year. Uh, this is through a press release uh, from MSU. Um, you know, he's a great kid, good student, very well coached. Um, compared him to Andre Hudson type player uh, in, in the way that he could develop into that. Uh, a bigger guy who can shoot the three and score down low has, uh, you know, good with both hands. Um, you know, he's going to be someone because he's not the highest ranked guy right now that probably is least likely of the three freshmen to see the floor next year. I don't know if a red shirt's in line for Marble. We'll sort of see how that plays out. It very well could be. Um, but, uh, you know, the idea of him being a 6'8 guy who is uh, big and athletic and can shoot the three a little bit is, is certainly interesting. And again, of the three guys coming in, he's probably the most uh, developmental uh, of everyone uh, of the class. So, uh, just a, you know, a couple things there from Tom Izzo, um, standard coach speak. But we'll see. Um, you know, he's six eight. He's a big kid. Um, is uh, you know an athletic type guy. Uh, has like longer arms and things like that is kind of someone who you could see developing into uh, a really good player. Um, and you know, who are you going to trust more than Tom Izzo to develop uh, a three-star type player into a really positive contributor down the road? So don't think we'll be seeing too much of him, uh, too soon, 
But if he's someone who fits in the program and works hard and sticks with it, uh, certainly uh, someone who you know could develop into a really solid contributor down the road. So that is the, the completion of Michigan State's freshman class. The other bit of basketball news here that I want to get to is a report uh, that the Hauser brothers uh, of Michigan's of Michigan State of Marquette, and this is per uh, CBS Sports John Brostein, who is, if you're not following him, the greatest college basketball Twitter follow out there, uh, because you don't need a calendar with John. Uh, when the calendar turns to March, you will know it. Um, <laughs> he is uh, a really interesting guy, but very well plugged into the uh, college basketball world. Um, so they're visiting, uh, if, if you remember, the Hauser brothers transferring from Marquette. Sam and Joey um, will both need to sit out a year, um, but are visiting places uh, together. They're, uh, you know, kind of tweener-ish, if you want to call them. Not positionless, but three, four type guys. Probably can play some five. I think they're both six eight or six nine. Uh, and can shoot from the perimeter, both around 40% from three. So stretch guys who can uh, play a multitude of positions and are really skilled players and were really productive for Marquette. Um, anyway, uh, they are planning to take a visit to Michigan State uh, in their recruiting here uh, as they make their decision where to transfer, uh, along with Wisconsin, Iowa, and Virginia. Iowa is the newest addition to this. We knew uh, they were looking at Virginia. We knew they were looking at Wisconsin. We knew they were looking at Michigan State, but Iowa's also in the mix here. And um, so, you know, they do have to sit out for a year and scholarships counts are going to play into this. And currently Michigan State only has the one spot. Um, and, you know, I don't, like I, I, I've been saying before, I don't foresee another scholarship uh, opening up. And especially now with the entire class signed, that's all locked in. Uh, for next season, we'll see if anyone leaves or anything like that. Uh, that is an un- unanticipated thing. Again, you know, I don't foresee someone getting forced out in favor of these guys to open up a scholarship. That's not how Michigan State kind of operates the program. That's not a Tom Izzo move. That's not a good like culture building thing. That's how you alienate your players, uh, and it's it's really tough to do that in college when you have. 13 scholarship guys, a handful of walk-ons, you know, you've got you know, 17, 18 guys that are the team, uh, whereas in football, you've got 100 plus guys and one guy coming in and out, one guy getting pulled off scholarship in favor of a recruit, which happens all the time in college football. Guys don't get their scholarships renewed um, in favor of, you know, oversigning and things like that. That happens all the time in college football. You can do that when your teams are that massive. Um, and really divide it up into offense and defense and different position groups and things like that. It's more clicky. That makes sense with a team like Michigan State, especially uh, in basketball, when you've got such a tight-knit group uh, of just a handful of players that are always together, always working together constantly at practice. You know, that stuff doesn't fly. So um, unless someone is truly unhappy, unless someone really wants to transfer, which there haven't been indications that that's the case, you know, someone's not going to get booted from their scholarship uh, so these guys can come in and sit out for a year and then be part of the team next year. This team has national championships aspirations for next season, national championship expectations for next season, and, you know, adding a couple of good players uh, for 2020 uh, is not going to help get Michigan State towards that goal. So that's one thing we have to keep in mind here. And Wisconsin does have room. Virginia should have room now that um, 
They've had three guys declare for the uh, NBA draft. They oversigned a little bit with the expectation that they would be losing some guys, Virginia. Um, but a couple extra guys, uh, I think, and I'm not sure if Virginia knew this or whatever. Who knows? Um, but they do have a handful of guys in the NBA draft. Um, they will all have to stay in the NBA draft for Virginia to have room for these guys uh, to go on scholarship next year. Uh, so, you know, Michigan State's at a little bit of a disadvantage of, of you know, than the other teams in terms of scholarships. Um, but they do now have one with Nick Ward leaving. So that is at least something. And with these guys both coming from the same family, and we have talked about this before, you know, once it's, it's almost like they both get half a scholarship for one year before going on scholarship to finish everything out. So we'll see how all that uh, plays out, but they are still planning on visiting Michigan State. I'm sure they're very aware of Michigan State's scholarship situation. Um, so the fact that they haven't bailed on Michigan State yet as a destination suggests that they could potentially still be interested in Michigan State, which if they could get both of these guys uh, with one scholarship spot to come here, um, that would be uh, absolutely fantastic for Michigan State down the road. Um, and really, uh, you know, it doesn't negatively impact the team next year, like pulling someone off a scholarship in favor of these guys, and they get to be a part of the culture and be part of a, hopefully a championship season and really, you know, hit the ground running for their uh, next few seasons. Uh, all right, let's break right there for segment one. When we get back, we're going to talk NFL draft and Michigan State prospects. You can get Locked On Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked On Spartans. Let's, uh, as I close out a browser tab here and get the right things open so I can actually talk about what I want to talk about. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about some Michigan State players uh, in the NFL draft here. So the first round is tonight. Uh, tomorrow, day two of the draft, rounds two and three. Uh, and then Saturday, they go four, five, six, and seven. And then, of course, priority free agents and undrafted guys fly off the uh, the handle there once the draft is completed. Saturday and then Sunday as well, we get some signings. So the busiest day uh, for Michigan State, for former Michigan State players, will probably be that Saturday. We're going to see if uh, a couple guys who may or may not get drafted will, will go in those ranges and then... Uh, we're certainly going to see some undrafted free agent signings out of there. So we'll talk about those guys uh, in a minute here, probably next segment. For this first segment, I want to talk about the guys who will be drafted uh, either tonight or tomorrow. The guy that would be drafted may perhaps tonight, definitely tomorrow, and then the other. Uh, I don't know why I'm being vague. Uh, we're going to talk about Justin Lane and Kari Willis here for a minute. <laughs> um, so Justin Lane's had a really interesting uh, draft process, pre-draft process. And if you follow this sort of stuff, you know that things just, it's freaking bonkers sometimes. The things that you see, uh, the stocks going up, the stocks going down, things that could impact things. Half of it is secret. Like, you know, we just found out uh, Rashawn Gary has a torn labrum. Like that just happened. And that probably popped up in medicals at the combine or who knows, like things like that. So there's so much information going on. I remember there was a story uh, I think it was Justin Blackman, the receiver who was out of Oklahoma State, 
uh, uh, the Jags, or not the Jags, because the Jags drafted him. Some team, yeah, he was being considered top 10, somewhere in there, top 15 as a receiver, and some team sent a scout to Stillwater to walk uh, through the bars and things like that because there was a reputation that Justin Blackman was too much of a partier. And so a scout's job was just to go to Stillwater bars and linger around and try to spot Justin Blackman in the bars enjoying nightlife instead of preparing for the draft. And then also talk to bartenders, talk to sorority girls on campus, talk to different people uh, about how much they partied with Justin Blackman in college. So it is an insane process. And we don't get to hear half of like the things that are done to figure out, you know, are these guys going to be good football players? So it's just bananas. Um, so th- that stuff uh, equally in equal parts fascinates me and infuriates me because I saw something the other day, Kyler Murray, the guy who's potentially going to be the number one pick, looks to be probably the number one pick overall, um, has certainly had an interesting process being a short quarterback and things like that. And his stock uh, was a little lower and then it jumped up and now he's going to go number one overall and things like that. But um, there was a tweet Monday that uh, people in the Cardinals front office and different uh, you know, front office people around the league and things like that are potentially worried because Kyler Murray is something like 73 and 5 as a starter through high school and college <laughs> and they don't know how he's going to handle adversity and so when we're at a point where the 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 critique is he wins too much uh, especially in the generation uh, that obsesses over QB wins like it's a real stat uh, when we're at that point when you win too much uh, is perhaps being a critique, a red flag to be investigated, then it's time to stop talking about players and it's time to start drafting them. We've hit the point where, damn it, it's time to start picking players. So with all that said, Justin Lane's process has been pretty interesting. I think when he declared, uh, I saw a lot of third round type things for him. Uh, a little bit newer to the position, didn't have... Uh, a ton of starting experience at corner, played it uh, a little bit in high school, right? Was a receiver coming in though, primarily was a receiver early in his career, did some back and forth, uh, and then even played some receiver last year, but was the number one primary shutdown lockdown corner for the first time for a full season uh, as a true junior. And so a little bit of a raw prospect, people were worried about speed and things like that. You know, they knew he was tall, knew he had length, um, knew he had solid technique and could cover guys. And, you know, Justin had some rough moments earlier in the season, but by the time, you know, game seven, eight, nine, ten rolled around, uh, had really grown and became a lockdown dude who was just awesome out there. And so he was kind of that mid-round type prospect. Uh, he runs a four-five-one at the combine, which for someone his height is fast enough. Um, you know, and, and then he kind of starts moving up boards. Uh, some people... Uh, are saying, you know, he's solidly going in the second round. Some people are saying, well, he's still third round. Uh, And then just slowly and slowly and slowly through the process, he's kind of creeped up, creeped up and creeped up. And now he's solidly in the second round. Um, You know, uh, the athletic I saw had him at number 40 overall, which is pick eight in the second round, um, which actually I think is the Lions. Um, which would be uh, pretty cool if the Lions got him. I don't know if you guys listening out there are Lions fans. I'm uh, kind of a renounced Lions fan, but I would appreciate being able to root for a guy like Justin Lane on the Lions. Um, But Mel Kuyper Jr., uh, the most famous draft analyst of them all, 
uh, and I've, it's not just him. I've heard some other uh, people, uh, read some other people saying that there's a potential for him. Uh, Lane could end up sliding into the back end of the first round. Um, Kuiper does these media conference calls and things like that and, and does, you know, gets asked a million questions um, and said, uh, specifically mentioned uh, the Kansas City Chiefs who are picking at 29 um, and are thin at the secondary could be someone uh, who's looking at him. You know, Kuiper said you watch him uh, in coverage, uh, you see improvement and he tests and has the length and, it, you know, it's just kind of the guy that people are look the type of player length and, and speed and athleticism, uh, physical can play press and things like that, that is really popular in the NFL right now. And which, you know, the passing the way it is in the NFL, you know, you, you need a lot of defensive backs. Um, so he's someone who's mentioned as a guy who's not necessarily getting mocked in the first round a lot, but could end up sliding in there because of the physical traits he had and the way he played at Michigan State and the the positive plays, the the good coverage he had at Michigan State. I think he was um, pro football focuses number eight graded uh, defensive back uh, in the draft, which is a solid number there for sure. So he's someone who could potentially side in the first round, and that'd be awesome for him. That'd be three first-round cornerbacks for Michigan State uh, since 2013, and it'll be four next year when Josiah Scott comes out, I would assume. Um, so that's pretty awesome, um, and that would be awesome for him. So for sure, second round for Justin Lane, but could slide into the first round. Um, and really, you know, there's that group up top of three, maybe four corners that are, you know, I think three are for sure going to go in the first round is what I've been seeing potentially four. And then after that, there's a handful of guys that could also be first rounders. You never know, uh, with a draft like this, that is kind of deep at defensive back, but maybe lacking high end guys, right? There's no corner. That's going to be a top 10 pick, uh, like last year, um, or, you know, a number of times in previous years, you know, there's not a top 10 pick uh, corner this year. So does that mean teams are more patient to wait? Or does that mean teams are like going to jump on corners earlier because we need to get a guy because if we wait, we're going to miss out on the good corners at the top of the draft and have to pick someone who's maybe not that good down the road. So we'll see how that all shakes out drafts you know, are interesting. Someone takes a corner a little early and then there's a run on corners and all of a sudden someone at the back end of the first round is like, crap, we got to take a corner. Uh, and Justin Lane's the best guy on their board and he's a first round pick. So uh, definitely potential for him to go in the first round, but if he doesn't, he is 100% going in day two. And I would think early in the second round, um, you know, somewhere in the top 40 to 50 range, uh, which would again be, you know, it's not first round, but it's right there. And that's another uh, just positive uh, mark in the hat for uh, Mark D'Antonio and the, his ability to develop corners. Uh, with him in the defensive backfield, Kari Willis has been surging uh, up draft boards. I think he was like a sixth rounder kind of by consensus uh, coming into the process. Uh, he's someone who actually tested well, uh, better than I think people thought he would. Ran well in the 40 and did well in the agility drills and things like that. And what I've been seeing a ton uh, about Kari Willis is everyone just praising how smart he is, how fo- uh, like how high his football IQ is, uh, how he was a captain of this defense, captain of the best defense in the country, uh, great tackler, did a good job on really, you know, like um, had more 
uh, for Purdue and things like that. Uh, and and did a good job covering slot guys and had him. Uh, he's got a solid coverage grade from Pro Football Focus. I think is actually his pass coverage grade is a little bit better than his run defense grade. Uh, and just the type of defense he had to play in, the things he was asked to do. It's a really hard job playing safety at Michigan State, and just how well he he did it. Uh, some notes here from uh, Kuiper Jr. You know, Kari Willis setting force. He's their leader, quarterback of the defense. Um, He's, uh, you know, solid athletically, but, you know, plays faster, has, you know, good explosive traits in terms of testing, but um, is more, uh, you know, his, his testing's good enough, but he plays faster in the field, right? His testing just kind of backed up what you see on the field and it's good enough. It's not something like, I don't know, Tease Tabor from who the Lions picked who ran a 4-7 at corner. Uh, and that's just like, it's not, it's an alarming number. Like Kari Willis had good testing numbers, but was better on the field. So that's always a good sign. So Kuiper actually says, and I, I, you know, I've heard him say this. I've heard McShay say this. There's a good group of safeties, like 10 to 12 safeties that they think are going to get taken in the first three rounds. And Willis is a part of that group. So, uh, Kuiper says he'd be surprised, um, if Kari Willis went any later than the early third round, which is, uh, different. That's much higher, um, you know, that than we've seen. Uh, the Athletic has him as number 16 uh, on their draft big board. Um, and like I said, throughout the process, he's kind of been pegged as a bit, you know, fifth, sixth rounder, someone who will definitely get drafted, but won't be until day three. And, and there's a solid chance we're going to see Kari Willis come off the board in day two. And I think that's awesome that he's being recognized because he's a awesome football player. And I think athletically he's shown enough through the testing to, you know, back up what his tape says, what we've seen from him uh, on Saturdays, the last few years that teams don't need to worry a ton about his athleticism. And I think he can be a versatile defender. And like I said earlier uh, in this NFL, you need as many competent defensive backs on the field as you can get. So uh, that'd be great for Kari. So definitely wishing the best of luck to both of those guys and hope they go as high as they possibly can and get as much money as they possibly can. All right, let's take a break there. When we get back for segment three, we'll talk about some guys that may get drafted, may not get drafted, and, and may end up being free agents. So we'll finish off the show that way. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans and the new Himalaya podcast app in an ever-expanding podcast world. You need Himalaya with our personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. Okay, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. Um, let's talk about the other guys. So we went through Justin Lane, went through Kari Willis. Let's uh, start with Felton Davis. So right now it looks uh, like the most likely scenario for Felton Davis uh, is an undrafted free agent. And that just, it sucks because he was, uh, I think, solidly in the mid-rounds, third, fourth-round type guy, and with a great senior season and good testing, could have pushed his way into the second round, into the first round, especially with this receiver group, which is kind of lacking uh, top-end guys. You're going to see, I think, DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss get overdrafted, and with the injury to uh, Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma, people are kind of concerned with him, so he's going to get drafted a little bit later than his um, you know, production and ability would suggest. And you're going to see guys, I think, get a little like Paris Campbell could get overdrafted because he ran a 4 3 1. And there's just not, uh, you know, not like a Julio Jones type, but there's not 
um, you know, a really for sure bona fide number one receiver in this group. There's a lot of guys who are good at certain things like JJ Arcega Whiteside from Stanford, huge red zone target, but limited in other ways. Um, you know, so there's a lot of guys that fit certain roles, but not an all around excellent receiver. So I think that's going to result in teams reaching on receivers, um, because they don't want to miss out on, on talent that they think is there and have to, uh, worry about depth guys. So, uh, you know, Felton Davis could have been in that group. He was good enough to jump into that group as potential first, second round type guys with a great uh, senior season in health. And said he tears his Achilles. Uh, and with that type of injury, an explosive, explosion zapping injury, uh, you know, it's just such a crapshoot with how he's going to come back from that. It takes a full year to really get back from that. And then it takes even more time to get back to your original self. So Felton Davis, if he's cleared for activities by the late summer, early fall and things like that, um, probably wouldn't see the field much as a rookie and then would need a, you know, a great offseason build back strength and explosiveness to be able to play uh, the next season. So I think it's going to be a tough start to his career. But I have confidence in him. I think he's a really good player and I think he can definitely help uh, an NFL team. Uh, it just, you know, that type of injury uh, is just super unfortunate. So I haven't seen him, um, you know, mocked too much uh, into uh, drafts. I've seen some where he's a sixth rounder, some where he's a seventh rounder. Um, and I think for a team, he's a worthwhile investment as a late, like, you know, somewhere in the seventh round. Like, what are you really taking with your seventh round? You might as well take a lottery ticket who you know played big time college football, played uh, and produced at a, a high level for a big program in the Big Ten, really big frame, can catch, uh, has some had some explosive traits uh, faster than you think, and he's you know just a huge frame, hand catcher, big hands, um, and you know coming off that terrible injury, you sort of professionally redshirt him, take him in the seventh round, knowing you're not going to do anything with him for a year and give him that redshirt year to get healthy, get his explosive enough back. And maybe you just added a solid number three, number two guy to your receiving group in the seventh round, which is a huge win for a GM. So I think he's worth that type of risk. I think teams are going to be worried about the Achilles though, but uh, the upside for him is there down the road. And I think the investment in the seventh round is so low that you could see him come off the board there, uh, and that would be great for him. That's more, uh, you know, m more money than a UDFA um, could get some guaranteed money out of it, which would be huge for him. And then if you have a team that is just going to kind of professionally redshirt him for a year, you know, that's a year of earning, and then he's got a chance to, you know, start making some hay there. And so that's good for him, uh, being able to get himself some guaranteed money after that type of injury would be outstanding. Uh, as for LJ Scott. He's also in that sort of similar conversation, had an injury-plagued senior season after some really productive early years at Michigan State is kind of, um, you know, in the six, seven round range. Some have him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he could be a late round pick. We've seen when we talked about this in previous uh, iterations of this type of show, uh, people had him as a top 100, top 120 player. Uh, in this draft, uh, he did not run well. He did not do well in testing, and that's not a surprise um, because just the way he plays, he's not the most athletically explosive guy. He's a big physical runner who's, you know, more um, good in 
in tight spaces, good through contact, good at finishing plays, things like that. Uh, so he could be a late round guy. He could be a priority free agent. If he's not drafted, he'll be someone who gets on a roster really quickly and has a chance to make a team. Um, you know, he's not going to be a special teams guy. So that is a ding for him. His receiving's gotten better. Um, so he's someone who is going to for sure get a shot, going to be one of those priority guys if he's not drafted. Um, will have an opportunity, but could uh, have an uphill battle, you know, face an uphill battle with running backs too. Uh, the nice thing is, you know, depending on where you land, you're going to have an opportunity. A lot of teams use multiple running backs throughout the season. And a lot of times you'll see an undrafted guy, a seventh round guy, a sixth round guy, a fifth round guy, be really productive, good players for teams uh, and make, you know, a living playing in the NFL for a number of years. So it's not something that, you have to get drafted high to play right away. Like if you're, you know, a quarterback or uh, a lineman or, you know, most other positions, really, uh, if you're not drafted in the first three rounds, you're facing an uphill battle for playing time that first season uh, and getting your career going. But with running backs are kind of the exception to that because they are kind of a bit of a dime a dozen thing right now. You can be an undrafted guy or a late round guy and have a better chance at playing. You just got to prove yourself. So LJ is going to have to prove himself. He's not going to be a high pick. Uh, we'll see if he gets his name called um, day three of the draft. If not, he will be a priority free agent. Will get signed. Uh, will be one of the guys that gets signed pretty quickly here and have a chance to uh, make his way into the NFL. As for the other guys, um, you know, uh, Beetle will get signed somewhere. Have to go to rookie camp uh, and see if he can get an invite to main camp. Uh, I would think the same situation for Sokol as well. They won't be the priority guys who are just going straight. Uh, to training camp, they're going to have to go to rookie camp and uh, you know be one of the few guys that can earn a spot uh, in training camp and see if they make a team. So best of luck to all of them uh, as they go through the process here. All right, that is going to be it for today's Locked on Spartans. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, if there's any notable Michigan State stuff from the NFL draft, we'll go over that. If not, uh, I do have some football things I want to talk about in terms of like depth chart and things like that as spring ball finished up. Uh, you know, we never really close the book on spring ball. So I kind of want to close the book on spring ball, talk about where the team's at right now, who's coming in, things like that. Uh, so we'll do a little bit of that uh, on tomorrow's show as well. Uh, thanks again for listening. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.